0: Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallisnor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End. Although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity... A strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end.
1: Paul Byrne, born Paul Levy, was born December 3rd, 1889 in Vonsbeck German Empire, present-day Hamburg, Germany. He's one of six children born to Julius and Henriette Levy, a Jewish couple. Julius worked as a shipping company clerk before opening a candy store of his own. In 1898, Julius moves his family to the United States, stemming from the rise of unemployment and anti-Jewish attitudes in Wandsbeck. The family will settle in New York City. Julius dies in 1908, and Henriette dies by drowning herself in 1920.
0: Paul will pursue a career in acting on stage and studying at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. He would soon adopt the name Paul Byrne as a stage name. Paul would soon realize he was a natural actor when would also pursue other aspects of theater production. Paul worked as a stage manager for a while before making his way to Hollywood, California in the early 1920s. He would start as a film editor before finding his way to writing and directing for United Artists and Paramount Pictures. All his experience will lead to working as a full-time producer at Metro Golden Mare, the studio at the time. He started out as a production assistant for Irving Thalberg at MGM, and then that turned him into a full-fledged producer. Also in the 1920s, Paul falls in love with actress Barbara Lamar, who does not feel the same way about him. She was an American film actress who was referred to as too beautiful and was known for her tumultuous life. Although they never had a romantic relationship, the two remained close friends and confidants right up until Barbara's death, including being at her bedside. Paul was also godfather to Barbara's son Don, and Jean Harlow was her son's godmother. It was speculated for most of Don's life that Paul was his actual father, but after a DNA test, that was proven not to be the case. Rewind. <laughs> In 1911, while Paul was still living in New York City, he was living with his common-law wife Dorothy Millett, born Adele Roddy. The pair had met in Toronto that same year. Paul would go on to support Dorothy financially due to emotional and mental problems, which would end up with Dorothy going to a Connecticut sanatorium. In 1930, shortly before the premiere of Howard Hughes' Hell's Angels, Paul meets actress Jean Harlow. Paul was instrumental in catapulting Jean's career. He tried to be a voice for her to a movie industry that may have not taken her seriously as an actress. She was referred to as the blonde bombshell or the platinum blonde. The star-studded film Grand Hotel was released six days after Paul's death and would go on to win the Academy Award for Best Picture for 1931-1932. Paul and Irving produced the film, although neither were listed in the credits. In the early 1930s, MGM didn't list their producers in their film credits. Irving did accept the award alone, due to the fact that Paul was deceased, and there was no way he was going to accept it. Jean Harlow born Harlene Harlow Carpenter on March 3, 1911 in Kansas City, Missouri. Her father, Montclair Carpenter, was a dentist and came from a working-class background. Her mother, Jean Poe Carpenter, her father was a wealthy real estate broker. In 1908, Mont and Jean are wed by an arranged marriage by Jean's father. Jean was underage at the time and easily became resentful and unhappy in their marriage, although she remained with him for many years. Harlene's nickname was The Baby. In fact, until she attended school, she thought that was her name. It wasn't until staff and students at the school started to use Harleen did she realize that that was her name. Harleen was always very close to her mother, who was very protective of her. When Harleen reached star status and became Jean Harlow, her mother then became known as Mama Jean. When Jean was 14, Mama Jean and Mont divorced. Although Jean loved her father, she rarely saw him, and Mama Jean got full custody of her daughter. In 1923, Mama Jean moves her and her daughter to Hollywood, California, in hopes that she may herself become an actress. Being told that she was too old to start an acting career at the age of 34, she enrolls Jean into an acting school. This would not last long. Jean will drop out of the school very quickly. With their lack of income, the pair move back to Kansas City after Mama Jean's father threatens to cut her off financially. Jean's grandfather sends her to summer camp in Michigan, where she becomes ill with scarlet fever. Her mother travels to see her and take care of her, but she is turned away. Next, Jean attends a school in Illinois, close to Chicago, and to her mother's boyfriend. While at the school, Jean will meet her first husband, Chuck. He was an heir to a large fortune. In 1927, when Jean is 16, her and Chuck marry. In 1928, two months after Chuck turns 21, he gets part of his inheritance. Mama Jean also gets married that same year, but Jean does not attend her wedding. Jean and Chuck move to Los Angeles, buying a home in Beverly Hills, where she becomes the perfect socialite. Chuck was also hoping to create distance between her and her devoted mother. Neither Jean nor Chuck work at this time. They are both considered heavy drinkers. While in Los Angeles, Jean befriends an aspiring actress named Rosalie Roy. Rosalie didn't own a car and asked Jean to drive her to Fox Studio for an appointment. Jean is approached by Fox executives and while waiting for her friend, she was encouraged to audition, but she told them she was not interested. Despite this, she was presented with central casting paperwork. As uninterested as she was, Jean does go for an audition due to the fact that her friend Rosalie dared her to go, stating that she didn't have the nerve. This is at the point at which Harlene becomes Jean Harlow. By this time, Mama Jean had followed her daughter to Los Angeles. After several rejected job offers by Jean, her mother convinces her to take the chance. She appears in her first film in 1928 as an unbilled extra for $7 a day and a box lunch, common pay at the time. She would then get a raise increase of $10 a day. She would appear in small parts in at least three more films, and in December of that year, sign a five-year contract with Hal Roach for $100 a week. However, in 1929, her contract is torn up after telling Hal Roach that her career was breaking up her marriage. In June 1929, her marriage breaks up anyways, and she moves in with her mother and her husband. After her and Chuck's separation, Jean continues to have small roles or extra parts in films. The couple do divorce in 1929. In late 1929, Jean is spotted by actor Ben Lyon, an actor filming Howard Hughes' Hell's Angels. Another account would state that she was spotted by a cameraman on the set of the movie. Due to the times where silent films were morphing into talkies, Howard Hughes was reshooting his silent film into a talkie. Howard needed to replace actress Greta Neeson, who had a thick Norwegian accent that he didn't think would fit with her talking character. Jean screen-tested and got the part. She signed to a five-year contract at $100 a week during filming Jean Harlow meets Paul Byrne. Paul and Jean strike up a friendship and eventually begin dating. They announced their engagement in June 1932 and get married on July 2, 1932. Although Paul and Jean were not married long, and dated for about two years before they got married, Paul had an affair during their entire relationship with his secretary. On September 5, 1932, only two months after Paul and Jean are married, Paul is found dead from a gunshot wound to the head in their Beverly Hills home. The coroner would rule his death a suicide, as there was a note found at the scene. According to authorities, the note was seen as a suicide note. Jean was not at the home at the time, and the only thing she said was that she knew nothing. Although she was initially implicated in Paul's death, she never spoke publicly about his death. Her silence and survival of the incident would contribute to her growing popularity. By 1933 and after, Jean's successful films were huge box office draws. Between 1933 and 1937, Jean was just getting better. She was young, and she was outranking other already established female stars at MGM. She was working consistently in proving her acting diversity among the most top-billed talent of that time. In January 1937, Jean travels to Washington, D.C. to participate in fundraising activities associated with President Franklin Roosevelt for the organization that would be the March of Dimes. This trip would be extremely hard on Jean and would suffer from a very harsh flu. In March 1937, after having her wisdom teeth extracted, Jean develops sepsis and has to be hospitalized. Sepsis is a life-threatening condition that arises when the body's response to an infection causes injury to its own tissues and organs. On May twentieth, 1937, during filming, Jean complains of fatigue, nausea, fluid retention, and abdominal pain. The studio doctor did not take her seriously, and he was unaware that she had suffered such a harsh flu four months before and a severe sunburn. One of her co-stars would state that Jean had a weight gain gray pallor, and had obvious fatigue. On May 29th, while filming a scene where her character was sick, Jean was noticeably sicker than her character. On June 2nd, Jean was again suffering from the flu. She would not return to the set. She was diagnosed with an inflamed gallbladder. Needing a second opinion, not only was the inflamed gallbladder confirmed, but that it also meant the final stages of kidney failure. On June 7, 1937, after slipping into a coma the night before, Jean dies of kidney failure. She was only 26 years old. Enter the Conspiracy Corner.
1: In 1990, a film producer, Samuel Marks, published a book about Paul's death, giving a different take on what happened. He states that on the morning of Paul's death, he had gone to his house before the authorities arrived or were even informed of the discovery of Paul's body. He claimed that he witnessed Irving Thalberg tampering with the evidence. The next day, Samuel was among studio executives who were told by Louis B. Mayer that Paul's death was being called a suicide because of impotence. This was to avoid any scandal that might affect Jean's film career. After reviewing all the evidence, Samuel would conclude that Paul was in fact murdered by the common-law wife, Dorothy Millette. he abandoned years before. Her body was found two days later floating in the Sacramento River. After supposedly killing Paul, Dorothy commits suicide by drowning. I find it pretty sad that Jean died so young and suffered so much. Doctors that took care of her didn't always take her seriously. She had been sick so much that last year of her life. Signs were clearly missed, like her grayish complexion, reoccurring illness, and the severe sunburn were all indications of disease.
0: My hope is that no one has to live in fear. Ever. As always, I will never give up. And read the signs. Special thanks to all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly. Thanks to wikipedia.org. In realrundown.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Rachel nor and this is the podcast Hell Is Not the End. <laughs>